this is Matt Hurt at Obsessive Viewer on Twitter, and this is ObsessiveViewer.com's The Obsessive Viewer Podcast. Hello and welcome to The Obsessive Viewer, where a movie and TV podcast that covers a specific topic, be it genre, trope, movie, or show each episode. You can find more of our work at ObsessiveViewer.com and more podcasts presented by Obsessive Viewer at ObsessiveViewer.com slash podcasts. And if you like what you hear and uh, would like to support what we do here, you can become a patron at Patreon.com slash ObsessiveViewer. And uh, I'll just quickly run through this. <laughs> at the $1 a month per level, you'll have access to over 100 and 50 at this point probably exclusive b-roll episodes of us just kind of farting around and talking um and uh sometimes with a with a topic but yeah it's it's fun stuff but um at the two dollar a month level you get that plus tv and book review and reaction episodes i'm currently doing episode reviews of chapel weight on epics starring adrian brody and based on the stephen king short story jerusalem's lot um on on that tier and beginning this friday i'll be doing episode reviews of apple tv's adaptation of the iconic isaac asimov sci-fi series foundation and at five dollars a month you get all of that plus movie commentary tracks uh including ex machina it chapter two throne of blood the shining doctor sleep and a bunch more and finally at the ten dollar a month level you get all of that plus early access to podcast episodes and previously unreleased content with uh uh in those those um, early access stuff has have like little little uh, deleted scenes in them that it's kind of fun to do. Um, again, that's at patreon.com slash obsessive viewer. Oh my god, my voice just cried so hard. <laughs> um, I'm your host, the aforementioned Matt Hurd, and with me today, making his first appearance on the show, my guest for this episode is my friend and colleague from the Indiana Film Journalists Association, whose work can be found at Midwest Film Journal. It's Sam Watermeyer. Hi, Sam. Welcome to the show. Hey Matt, thanks for having me. Excited yeah. to be here. I am excited to have you on. It's uh, it's it's been kind of a long time coming. I haven't I I haven't really put the feeler out. I just kind of I just kind of like thought like oh it'll be good to have Sam on. And then uh, I I reached out to you and uh, uh, you accepted. And I'm sure that here in finally. <laughs> well, I'm sure that you will be ruining the day. You. You decided to come on the show. Um, so, yeah. So, how's it going? And also, if you wouldn't mind just get, kind of giving us a uh, a rundown of, of all of your interneting and stuff, if you don't mind. Because um, I am not that prepared. <laughs> sure. Um, uh, I'm Sam Watermeyer. You asked me to introduce myself, right? Yeah, pretty I'm much. sorry. <laughs> You're okay. fine. Uh, I'm Sam Watermeyer. Um Let's see, uh, a quick little fun fact. Uh, my mom went into labor with me in a movie theater. So nice. I was practically, uh, <laughs> I was practically born to, to be a film critic. Uh, <laughs> the movie was the Godfather part three. Oh, Ooh. Okay. <laughs> uh, right during the last 20 minutes or so. Oh, and my mom says, my mom says that my dad asked her, uh, uh, if we, if they could stay, cause it was finally getting good. <laughs> Um, oh, wow. But, uh, <laughs> you know, that was my, my first review, so to speak. Nice. Um, <laughs> and now I write for uh, Midwest Film Journal, and I'm uh, 
a part of the Indiana Film Journalists Association. Um, and yeah, I think that sums me up. Nice. Yeah. Uh, the Godfather three, I have not watched that in many years. Um, <laughs> but yeah, that's, that's, uh, that's, that's an interesting, interesting origin story for you, <laughs> your, uh, entrance into this world. That's, uh, yeah, exactly. yeah, that's quite a statement. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Um, on Midwest Film Journal, you wrote uh, uh, reviews of uh, the Fear Street trilogy on Netflix that I really enjoyed your work on that. Um, oh, so thank yeah, you. Yeah, so uh, definitely check that out, guys. Uh, check out his reviews on that. Um, and yeah, so uh, yeah. Oh, and where can we find you online in terms of social media if you have any social media presence? Um, let's see. Uh, I'm not on Twitter anymore, Hmm. um, because it's too depressing. Right. Um, but, uh, you know, you can find me on midwestfilmjournal.com and, uh, I'm on Facebook, Hmm. um, and letterboxd. uh, Oh yes. Letterboxd. You can find me at Sam movie man on letterboxd. Um, I, I try to keep up with that Mm -hmm. and stay consistent with reviews and ratings. Mm -hmm. Um, uh, so yeah, that's where I am uh, online. Nice, awesome. Well, welcome to the show. I'm super excited to have you on. Um, and today on the podcast, we are going to be discussing James Wan's latest film, *Malignant*, which is currently playing in theaters and is currently available on HBO Max until October 10th. And I didn't notice this before before uh, before I was making my notes and everything, but I didn't realize that *Cry Macho* is also on HBO Max. <laughs> Um, and I was like, oh, like that would have been an interesting, maybe not an interesting double feature, but just because they're both on <laughs> HBO Max to do that. But that's fine. Do you have any interest in watching Cry Macho? Have you seen it yet? Haven't seen it yet. <clears throat> I am a bit of a Clint Eastwood apologist. Nice. Um, <laughs> I, uh, you know, I know he's a crusty old conservative, but mm-hmm. he still makes, I mean, you have to admire the fact that he's 91 and yeah. he's still making solid movies. Mm-hmm. Um you know, as flawed as they are, I, mm. I think um, Sully and Richard Jewell um, are two of his, uh, you know, pretty decent uh, recent efforts. Um, I'm curious to see Cry Macho because it seems like his sort of swan song to the Western archetype that uh, he's yeah. so, so well known for mm-hmm. um, seems to be like his last cowboy movie. Um, Interesting, yeah. Uh, but then again, you know, we, we've been saying that he's been doing swan songs for a while now. Right. He's getting, <laughs> keeps getting older and keeps making movies. So, you know, yeah. good for him. It's, it's pretty, it's pretty remarkable. Like his politics aside and everything, like you got to admire someone that's that, um, <laughs> that's that committed to their craft and everything. Um, and speaking of which, not to make this a crossover episode of any kind or anything, but I do believe that you are in still in the process of reading Apt People. Um. <laughs> <laughs> yes, I'm almost done with it. I'm nice. kind of a slow reader. Mm-hmm. Um, I just I get in the habit of you know putting the book down and not picking it back up for a week. Yeah, I'm the um, same way. But uh, yeah, it's oddly for those who don't know, you know, Apt People is about a um a teenager who's obsessed with the holocaust mm-hmm. and he finds out that his next door neighbor is um 
or, you know, was a former Nazi. Right. And he, he kind of blackmails him into uh, uh, telling him Holocaust stories and, you know, things don't go very well from there. Right. Um, it's, uh, it's surprisingly timely amid mm-hmm. the uh, MAGA movement that we find ourselves in and yep. kind of neo, you know, we're still dealing with, you know, neo Nazis, sadly. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, uh, after the, uh, the Trump administration, you can sadly understand how the Holocaust happened, how, yeah. you know, so many people were, uh, uh, you know, convinced to, to do such awful things. I mean, you know, you look at the yeah. storming of the Capitol. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, it's a very timely book. Uh, sorry, I'm getting no. off into a political. Oh, no, you're I fine. Don't, <laughs> I, don't, I don't even, I don't even remember what the initial question was. But, uh, I don't know if I uh, had yeah. an initial question. I think I just wanted to, wanted to just, uh, uh, I wanted to, I wanted to go ahead and get my needling of you about, uh, like, uh, your progress report on apt people, uh, to fulfill I, my, you know, obligation to you uh, that you asked me to oh. keep, uh, keep you um, keep you on it. <laughs> yes, I asked you to. Yeah, I, I told you to hold me accountable for yes. finishing it. I'm like <laughs> I'm like 160 some pages in, and it's nice. like 216 pages total. So I'm okay. almost done. Nice, nice. Yeah, it's uh, it's it's a good one. Uh, I'm very I'm very much looking forward to uh, to talking to you about it after you're done, um, and seeing what you think of it. Um, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um, but we have, before we get into our review of Malignant, I do have some news that we'll, we'll go through a little bit. Um, so one of the kind of, uh, one of, one of the hats you've been wearing the past, uh, couple of years is that Heartland Film Festival here in Indianapolis, um, starting, was that in 2019 that they started, uh, Heartland Horror or was that last year? It was 2019. 2019. Okay. Or, or I don't well, remember. Yeah, yeah. I think it was 2020. Yeah, I think so too because 2019 I think was when In Fabric uh went was screened at Heartland. That's right. That was okay. kind of the kickoff to Heartland Horror. Yes. Okay. So Indie Shorts in July and in uh, and uh, and Heartland Film Festival in October uh have now gone into the last couple of years horror uh horror um categories and everything and you and and friend of the show and fellow ifja member uh evan uh are kind of the main programmers of that uh do you want to talk about how uh that's going and how how that experience has been bringing horror to heartland no i don't okay great well thank you so much for joining me (laughs) um no i'm kidding of course um so uh you know, those who have been following it uh, might have noticed that Heartland has uh, come a long way since the days of uh, screening Hachi, A Dog's Tale. <laughs> um, uh, you know, Heartland originally started as uh, a festival focused largely on, you know, heartwarming films. Mm-hmm. Um, their slogan, well, not slogan, but their mission was to find, you know, truly moving pictures. Mm-hmm. And uh, over the years, the festival has evolved and um, included, you know, multiple genres to show that, you know, even horror can move people. Mm -hmm. Um, And um, 
you know, something I said to the artistic director, uh, Greg Zorvig, a few years ago was uh, I told him a story about interviewing um, Heather Langenkamp from nice. uh, the original Nightmare on Elm Street. Mm -hmm. And uh, during the interview, she told me a story about a fan who approached her at a horror convention. And the fan was... Um, uh, in a wheelchair due to a car accident. And she said that she watched A Nightmare on Elm Street every day in the hospital while recovering from that accident. Oh, wow. And that seeing, you know, Heather's character triumph over a nightmarish situation helped her overcome her own. Wow. And I had never really thought about horror movies being therapeutic like that mm -hmm. before. Um, I interviewed Heather Langenkamp a long time ago, um, mm -hmm. like back in college. Um, and I told him that, and um, that kind of, uh, you know, we started talking about uh, a possible horror category kind of as a, a bit of as a joke. Sure. Um, but then he came to Evan and I, Evan Dossie and I um, uh, in 2019 and asked us uh, to help curate uh, a new category, uh, Heartland Horror. Um, and, it, you know, it's really exciting to be part of a new um, category for the festival. Mm -hmm. uh, like, you, like you said, in July, we helped select um, a short, uh, short horror films and mm. then uh, feature films for the uh, October, the main October festival. Um, and uh, you know, we, we've gotten submissions from all over the world, which is nice. really cool. Um, and uh, you know, we kicked it off in 2019 with in fabric, mm -hmm. um, which <laughs> During the screening, that upset a woman quite a bit. I actually think you. you I was there. That was you were I, there. I think that that might have been maybe like the first screening I went to where like other members of the IFJ were there because I think I was pretty new to the group because um, I think it, that year I was inducted into the IFJ like in January or February, um, and then like I, I was kind of like nervous and everything to to meet people in person but uh like i was there and that that was that was that was uh that was a really funny <laughs> experience because uh she did not have any scruples about voicing her opinion about that movie <laughs> yeah I've, um i don't think i was actually there when she mm. um complained but from yeah. what i was told she after the screening she said um something to the effect of you know in my 69 years of living that's the worst film i've ever seen and <laughs> yep. I, I i hoped one of you guys would say something like oh the the menstruating mannequin didn't do it for you <laughs> right um <laughs> and, uh, she said you know and my father was a projectionist right so you know <laughs> so i'm, I'm well versed movies. in film right yeah um and so she was just appalled that mm -hmm. we started this new horror category and i said and i thought you know oh well that means it's a great idea then oh absolutely and that's one of the things that i'm i'm super uh excited about i mean i know that it, i know that heartland's been doing heartland horror for a couple of years now this is the second year um that but i'm super excited about that because I mean, that just shows how, like, I, I love Heartland. I've, I've been, I've been to it since like 2015, I think was the first year that I, I went to it with like a press pass and everything. My, my, my big boy press pass and, and went to all the screenings and stuff. 
Um, but I, I love it. I love the atmosphere and the and the they they really do great a great job of just curating really uh, a, a good selection of movies year and year uh, year after year. And it's just it's so it's so interesting to see them be like Heartland as an organization be so receptive to like genre filmmaking and to have like to to kind of because like like you said they they kind of go on more more toward um, like heartfelt kind of character pieces and dramatic. Um, uh, dramatically heavy and weighty stuff, and yeah, horror can be that, and it's just really cool to see them opening, opening up to an entirely, uh, kind of, uh, a, I would say a different and maybe in some circles, uh, underappreciated, uh, type of storytelling on film. Um, so it's really cool. Yeah. Um, and you know, I want to also say that. Uh, these are hardly, um, you know, you know, we're not dealing with PG 13 horror. We're right. really going, we're really going for the hardcore mm-hmm. horror films. So, um, menstruating mannequins. You know, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Movie, <laughs> movies with menstruating mannequins, um, uh, you know, uh, erotic stuff. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, we're, we're really going for it, which <laughs> I appreciate, you know, I'm, I'm sure, Horror fans think, you know, oh, what's Heartland Horror going to be like Casper? <laughs> um, <clears throat> but, you know, we're uh, rest assured that we're mm-hmm. going for the hardcore stuff. Nice. Yep. It's 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 really it's really something I'm, I'm really excited about uh, what is coming this year to Heartland and Heartland's. I mean, it's their 30th anniversary, so it's it's a big one, um, as is, you know, they usually do just they kind of go all out and especially with like now it's just i feel like it's just still so touchy with the pandemic and everything but i appreciate and respect that they are doing both in person and virtual and they're um they're going for it i know last year they did um uh tibbs drive-in um and i went to a couple of couple of those i think yeah and it's i mean I'm I'm just so glad that uh that the festival circuit is is surviving as as best they can. Yeah. And horror movies are great for uh drive-ins. Oh, absolutely. Um, you know, last year uh we were fortunate to to screen uh, Host, the mm-hmm. the Zoom the Zoom based <laughs> horror movie and that was at Tibbs and you know, that was nice. that was cool to to have that at a drive-in. Mhm. Yeah, absolutely. And so, uh, let's see. So, I, I'm I'm gonna play a little jingle and stuff from the opening, uh, from from the kind of announcement of Heartland, uh, their 30th anniversary. So, I'm gonna play that, and then we can kind of talk a little bit about Heartland a little bit more because I kind of forgot to bring it up. <laughs> I forgot to play this when I uh, said it before. So, here we go with this little uh, clip. Greetings from the 2021 Heartland International Film Festival announcement day. Congratulations to all of the incredible filmmakers who have been selected to be a part of our 30th anniversary. We hope you'll join us in person or virtually as we not only press rewind through 30 years of Heartland Film, but also press play on 125 feature films included in this year's festival. With the brand new theaters, special event screenings, and retro 90s nods around every corner, 
30 never looks so good. The full film lineup, schedule, tickets, and fest passes are now available today. The 30th anniversary celebration starts at heartlandfilmfestival.org. Okay, so um, I came in a little late with that, but um, so you went to the um, announcement event. Uh, how did that go? Um, I, I missed it uh, on Thursday, was it? Yeah, that was a lot of fun. Um, it was at Daniel's Vineyard, um, mm-hmm. and you know they had they had a great wine. There was a, a, a Heartland anniversary blend nice. um, there. Um, and they uh, announced um, the event films, which uh, got some some audible gasps from the audience. Um, nice, uh, especially when uh, the trailer for the French Dispatch um, popped up. Yeah, um, I think getting a Wes Anderson movie that might be you know Heartland's biggest get ever really yeah so. that's huge that's huge and uh i'm really looking forward to the french dispatch i mean i've heard just great things from uh from when it was at uh somewhere uh venice maybe <laughs> i think so yeah yeah uh so i'm super excited for that they're also doing um a jimmy stewart retrospective thing uh with harvey and i don't have it in front of me was it vertigo nope. Rope, rope, rope. That's yeah. right. Yes. Oh man. Yeah. That that's really cool. I love when they do those kind of I, I love those kind of anniversary screenings or those retrospective screenings that they do. Um it's they they really put together a really good uh a really good thing. Um a really good festival. That's the word. <laughs> <laughs> uh how was the selection process and how did how did uh how's how's Heartland Horror looking this this year? Um, you know, we have a, uh, a submission platform, mm-hmm. um, where, uh, filmmakers, you know, uh, submit their work for consideration and we basically just sift through it mm-hmm. and, um, you know, prioritize the stuff that pops out at us. Um, one of my favorite films, uh, this year is something, um, Evan found, uh, it's called the alternate. Um, it's about an indie filmmaker who, you know, uh, basically does like corporate video stuff and he's longing to, uh, uh, make this sci-fi epic that he's been dreaming of for years. And while he, uh, uh, he's editing one of these corporate talking head videos, he finds, um, an image that he projects onto a larger screen and it opens up a portal to another dimension. Oh, um, that's awesome. And he, yeah. And he uh, goes through it and uh, finds a more, an alternate version of his life in which he's this huge Spielberg kind of success. Oh, and, man. Um, it, it sounds like, you know, kind of just fun sci-fi at first, but, uh, you know, things go horribly wrong and it, it veers into to horror and, and um yeah evan uh found that one and and pushed us to watch it and i'm really glad he did because i think that's one of the strongest ones um uh we also have a a fun movie called the the alpines which is about a group of old college friends who get together um for a reunion at a cabin that one of them owns 
and uh, uh, you know things go go quite wrong and and backs are stabbed both literally and figuratively um and let's see the the main one is is called what josiah saw Mm -hmm. and it's kind of a kind of a gothic backwoods horror movie starring uh the t-1000 himself robert patrick oh nice um that's a great one awesome let's see what else do we have we have an Indian uh, horror movie called The Puppet um, that has some some cool scares. Uh, another one called Hellbender, which is a, a Shudder production. Nice. Um, and then I feel like I'm missing one, but I, th- I think that's it. Very nice. I, I was yeah. trying to discreetly bring up the list, but <laughs> um, uh, I didn't get it uh, up in time. But, uh, yeah, so, uh, yeah, are, are, is, is Heartland screening any of the, uh, shorts, um, from Heartland Horror from, from the shorts festival? Like, are there any screenings of those at all? I, I believe so. Um, we did that, uh, in 2020 as well. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm not sure when those are screening exactly, but okay. I'm pretty sure there's, there's a day that, uh, some of the horror shorts will be, uh, be screened. Nice. Nice. Uh, so yeah, so the Heartland horror movies are the puppet, the Alpines, the alternate, what Josiah saw and hellbender. Did you go through all of those? Yep, I guess yes. I got them all. Okay, yep. awesome. Yes, I was totally paying attention. <laughs> <laughs> but no, that's great. I'm I'm really looking forward to uh checking out all of them really. And yeah, yeah, I'm 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 really pumped about that, especially with um like I said, Heartland's uh kind of embracing of of genre film is really really intriguing to me and exciting to me. Um, um, I should correct myself a little bit. I described ah. it as gothic backwoods horror. Mm-hmm. I think uh, a more accurate description for uh, what Josiah saw would be like hillbilly horror. Okay. Um, so uh, th- that's a really good one. And that's kind of like the main one, the, nice. the like event title. So. Okay. Gotcha. Um, and it, speaking of event titles and stuff, some of the other ones that they, they're having are, oh, they're also, sh- oh, man. Um, they're showing uh, West Side Story on 35 millimeter uh, for the 60th anniversary. That's freaking awesome. And that's cool timing with uh, you know the Spielberg remake. So. Oh, definitely, definitely. Um, and some of the other ones. Oh, I'm looking forward to um, some of the Indiana Spotlight ones, like Mayberry Man uh, jumped out to me, as well as uh, Pompano Boy. Um, because I really like that director, uh, Andrew Paul Davis. He had a movie, I think it was his first movie a few years ago at Heartland. Um, oh man, I'm blanking on what it was called, but I remember liking it. Um, so yeah. Um, yeah. Any movies from Heartland, uh, that jump out to you? (laughs) Uh, yeah. I'm I'm really excited to see, um, a movie called mass. Yes, um, me too. Yeah, it's kind of a it's a one setting, uh, dialogue driven drama about two sets of parents. Um, the one set lost their son in a school shooting, and the other set, their son was the shooter. 
Mm. Um, I think that's just a really interesting concept uh, that's never really been explored on film before. Oh, absolutely. Um, so, yeah. I, I, that one's, that's my big one that I'm excited for. Mine too. And that's the directorial debut of Fran Kranz, um, who he was in, oh my God, uh, Cabin in the Woods, right? That's him, right? I think so. I know him from yeah. a movie called uh, The TV Set. I don't know if you saw that. I did not. But I know that he it was also in um, uh, the Dark Tower movie. <laughs> which, uh, <laughs> yeah. Yeah, we don't talk about that here. Um, <laughs> yes, he is in Cabin in the Woods. Um, oh, God, he was also in The Village. And, oh, that's right, yeah. Yeah. And uh, apparently Training Day as well. Um, but I'm, I'm, I'm very eager for that one. That one is definitely, uh, high on my list there. Um, yeah. Have you heard oh, of any- probably? Oh, go ahead. Sorry. <laughs> oh, I was just going to say, I think another one of the big ones that people will be excited about is, uh, Spencer. It's about, uh, it, uh, stars Kristen Stewart oh, yeah. as Princess Diana. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, directed by Pablo Lorraine. Um, yes. yeah, that, uh, that. <laughs> that I, I'm I'm uh, pretty excited about that. Um, I don't know Pablo Lorraine's work that well, except for he directed all the episodes of this year's uh, Lisi Story adaptation on Apple TV. And like, in terms of just the visual style and the camera work and and the directing of that, it it looked really really interesting. Um, so I'm 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 excited to see uh see that and Kristen Stewart. She's she's a very interesting uh, actor, so I'm looking forward to that. Yep. Um, I had another one in my head, but I just closed out <laughs> the page. Um, uh, yeah, I don't know. Um, yeah, so so that's exciting. Uh, Heartland Film Festival. When does it run? It runs from. Do you have that information right there? <laughs> um, I think it's from October seventh the 18th but i'm going to look it up right now that sounds right uh yes we, uh, we really yes yep seventh <laughs> through the 17th yep and um, i could have discreetly done that without uh putting you on the spot there <laughs> so uh, okay yeah. um yeah so that's exciting it'll be fun for people to hear that we we really do our homework here right oh yeah Oh, they know all too well already. (laughs) (laughs) Um, But yeah, but uh, check that out, heartlandfilm.org. They, uh, I don't know if, I don't know if it's like region locked with the virtual stuff, but um, I think last year, the year, I think last year it was kind of like uh, some of them were or something, but uh, yeah, just check it out because it's really cool. Um, Definitely. Cool. Um, okay, so as we said, uh, today we're going to be talking about James Wan's uh, latest film, Malignant. Um, are you ready to talk about Malignant, Sam? <laughs> Boy, am I. Okay, awesome. So as is customary, we're going to do a non-spoiler review and a spoiler review. And uh, so, yeah, we're going to go into our non-spoiler review. I'll play a clip from the trailer before we go into spoilers so you guys can, you know, navigate that and be warned but uh yeah for non-spoilers uh before we get into that um uh the plot summary courtesy of imdb is 
Madison is paralyzed by shocking visions of grisly murders, and her torment worsens when she discovers that these waking dreams are in fact terrifying realities. Malignant is directed by James Wan and written by James Wan, I think, with a story by credit with him and I believe it's his wife. Um, I don't have her name readily available, but I'm going to vamp for just a second. Okay. Um, so, uh, Ingrid Bisu. And oh, okay, no, I got that wrong. Okay, so story by credit by James Wan and Ingrid Bisu, and then story by credit and screenplay by Akila Cooper. And this film stars Annabelle Wallace as Madison, Maddie Hassan Hassan as Sid, uh, Sydney, George Young as Kikoa Shaw, and uh, Michelle or Michelle Brianna White as Regina, and. Yes, so, Sam, let's talk about Malignant and all of its non-spoiler glory. How did you feel, in broad terms, about James Wan's latest horror film? Well, I went into it uh, without any knowledge of the plot, which I think is the best way to go. Nice. Um, Or at least try to have as little knowledge as possible. Mm -hmm. Um because uh, the movie has quite a twist, one of the craziest <laughs> ones I've seen in years. Mm-hmm. Uh, we'll get into that later. Oh, um, yeah. But, uh, you know, um, I think right now James Wan is known mostly for these kind of classy throwback horror movies like The Conjuring and, and Insidious, but this is kind of a return to his gritty roots. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's a little more reminiscent of Saw and uh, Dead Silence, his, his early forays into horror. Um, it's, uh, uh, you know, it's just f- fun trash, I would say. <laughs> um, yeah. Uh, it's, uh, you know, uh, it has crazy twists, um, kind of, uh, you know, melodramatic, like soap opera twists. Um, uh, the acting is fine. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> I mean, I, I think, uh, it, I don't know. I'm, I'm wrestling with whether it's one of those so bad it's good movies or if it's legitimately <laughs> good. Um, it's, uh, you know, you can't take it too seriously. I right. was, you know, I, I wouldn't say that it, uh, I was laughing more than I was, uh, you know, ripping my armrest and terror. Mm-hmm. Um, I, you know, I would recommend seeing it in a theater uh, just to get the kind of communal uh, reaction and experience. Yeah. Um, I, you know, it, it's just a really fun, uh, pulpy, trashy B movie. I, you know, it's funny. I agree with you. 100% but I was all in for it I I loved this movie <laughs> and you're absolutely right like it does it it's not something to really be taken too seriously like it's one of those movies that if you're not on board with the crazy shit that's happening in it um, you're probably going to be in for a bad time <laughs> And what's interesting to me is that, like, it is, it, it, it has its share of gruesome, grisly horror elements and everything. Also, weirdly, has some parkour elements in it as well. Um, 
But for the most part, like it wasn't, it wasn't like frightening. Like it was very moody, very atmospheric. There's some really cool camera work. Um, like there's, there's this one section that just kind of just, I was just really just strapped in and just taken with it where, um, it's a top down view of, of her running through her house. Um, and it's just, it is so, so interesting the way that it's, that, that's, it's visualized and everything. Um, but I wasn't necessarily frightened by it. And I think that that's something that I count as a plus. Cause like, I don't really get that frightened by movies. I get kind of grossed out by some movies, but I don't really get, it's kind of rare for it, for a movie to like affect me in like a, in like a, a, deep way like i remember when i saw the witch i like when i was driving home from the theater it was night nighttime and i was like passing by like a cemetery and it just felt like eerie and unsettling and i just felt like this is this is the kind of emotional reaction i like having to horror movies and here with malignant it was just like i think i was just so gobsmacked by the just craziness of it that I was just like, it, it's, it's a roller coaster. It's a ride. It's a thrill ride. And as hacky as that sounds, <laughs> I just realized saying that out loud, it's 100% a thrill ride. Matt Hurt, <laughs> obsessive viewer. <laughs> um, it's a pulse pounding high octane thriller. Yes. <laughs> God. Um, <laughs> the city is like a character in and of itself. Um, <laughs> Make speed look like a slow ride to grandma's house. <laughs> I love it. Um, but yeah, but it is, it is very cool, very stylized and it does have like a B movie feel like that soap opera element of it also is so, it's so weird. Like it, like it, to, to talk about it in broad terms is, is not to do its service, but, uh, the kind of just the weird meld of different elements, like, like like that melodramatic thing where she, like a character's like s- reveals a uh, something about herself to another character and then it just it just cuts away from that to something else entirely and i'm just like wait like is he intentionally like not letting that like revelation breathe is what is what point is he making here <laughs> And it kind of just seems like a little wink to the audience. Like, we know that this is crazy and absurd. We're priming you for the more crazy and absurd stuff. And I was along for the ride. I, I really, I really loved it. <laughs> it was really fun. I want to uh, kind of elaborate on the the soap opera element. Mm-hmm. Um, I think a good example <laughs> of that is is early on, uh, the main character, Madison's husband, is revealed to be, you know, very abusive. Oh, yes. And uh, there's one part, um, he says something like, uh, I'm tired of my children dying inside of you. Yes. And then he slams <laughs> her head against a wall. Mm-hmm. And it bleeds throughout the movie. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, I don't, I don't want to, like, uh, belittle the domestic mm-hmm. abuse angle, but it is played up as kind of a, you know, uh, kind of heightened and soap opera-ish. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, the twist that uh, her head injury eventually leads to mm-hmm. is, is uh, uh, like something you would see maybe in you know some crazy season of like days of our lives yeah yeah very ex- that is true a very extreme <laughs> a very extreme days of our lives but right I can see it happening 
Yeah. Oh, absolutely. And I I found the kind of domestic violence angle. It's 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 only in really just very briefly in the opening of the movie. And it was interesting because I found myself thinking that that was played pretty, pretty sincerely in contrast to the rest of the movie is more kind of crazy stuff. Um, just that kind of switch that gets flipped in him. Like, yeah, the, the whole, like, I'm tired of watching my children die inside you. Like that is, that is like fodder for daytime television. <laughs> uh, yeah. it's dark and it's, it's just sudden and, and really cruel. But like that, that way that he, after he, you know, pushes her against a wall, like, like slams her against the wall, like he comes back, I think after that, and he's just like, I'm sorry and everything. And it's just like that, like that resonated in a certain way. Cause it just felt like that seems authentic. Like that seems like they're, it's pretty authentic to kind of the uh, tumultuous relationship, toxic, violent abusive relationship and I, I was just not really prepared for that and then it's weird because in contrast with the rest of the movie the more silly elements are played up as silly elements so yeah that's that's a really good point yeah when he comes back and and apologizes um uh, it is really unsettling because mm-hmm. you can you can imagine that that's how those relationships work yeah um is you know the the guy comes crawling back and says you know he'll will get a handle on this behavior. Right. And, um, uh, you know, that's, that's, uh, you know, I'm not sure people really do get a handle on that kind of behavior. Right. Um, so, yeah. you know, if they're pushed that far in the first place, um, mm-hmm. or if they're, you know, inclined to go to that extreme. Um, right. So yeah, that was genuinely un- unsettling in mm-hmm. comparison to, you know the rest of the movie but you know yeah. of course horror movies are all about the sort of everyday things that <laughs> right that, that actually scare us so yeah oh yeah and when they go into those extremes it's 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 supposed to f- put you off kilter and everything and i think that that's something that james wan does pretty well in this movie and even the opening prologue it's so i mean like <laughs> it's so interesting to me like that opening prologue it's it's this very like style stylistic choice of it reminded me of like a Sam Raimi movie and also just like the aesthetic of the hospital because it opens on a hospital in the 90s and just that dark ominous kind of almost uh almost gothic or almost uh yeah gothic in nature um which is the name of my rap album. Um, <laughs> it the way that it uh, is just shown, and then and then we have like that that prologue is just so weird and and out of I, I don't know. It's it's it was really fun. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It is a weird mix of like uh, uh, you know, kind of everyday domestic stuff, and mm-hmm. then just like batshit crazy. Um, you know mental asylum uh bottle you know body horror Mm -hmm. um it's a weird movie it definitely is it definitely is and there is uh what really struck me uh as we're in non-spoilers is the music in it is so it it felt like so much of it was like a throwback to like 90s 90s horror and thriller kind of stuff uh very kind of i guess electronic um 
or it's uh, I don't I don't know like synthesized a little bit. Um, but then they had that <laughs> uh, that cover of Pixies. Um, Where is my mind? And like I didn't know that like when it came in the movie, I was like I did like I didn't recognize it as that. And then someone on Facebook was like, "Oh, what did you think of that?" And I'm like, "Oh shit, that just blew my mind a little bit." Um, yeah, I yeah. I did notice that in the score mm-hmm. that it kind of like it's sort of a riff on on uh, that song, and and mm-hmm. that did make me geek out quite a bit. Yeah, it's uh, it it's it's really fun. Um. But yeah, but what else can we say in non-spoilers about this? Um, there's one element that I want to kind of touch on, but I'm going to have to dance around it a little bit, but I do want to get it in non-spoilers. But any thoughts you have on on kind of the the uh, the batshit stuff that uh, before it becomes ultra batshit stuff? <laughs> well, I think... Um without the bad shit stuff it's pretty it's like a lot of things you've seen before you know mm-hmm. the the woman madison has these premonitions of of horrible murders and and uh you know the the body count piles up and um i think it's really not until that bad shit crazy main twist that the movie mm-hmm. really hits its stride yeah, I definitely get that. And and uh in terms of not not necessarily the twist, but the um it's referenced in the trailer, but the kind of the the villain of the movie for uh you know, I'll, I'll just kind of dance around it, but the name Gabriel is uh attributed to the villain. And what I found really interesting is that the movie portrays him or demonstrates him as this malevolent almost supernatural like it's 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 created as this kind of supernatural element and what i found really interesting about that is that it's it's different from other kind of supernatural monsters and everything in that it's like gabriel gabriel is communicating with the people and like like there's a scene where he calls the cops and i'm just like what like what am i watching like what is this it feels like one of those movies that like my parents rented from blockbuster in the 90s that uh that had like some supernatural kind of thing but it was a but it had like a chase sequence in it (laughs) um doesn't he uh, talk through radio waves or something yes. like that? Yeah. yeah. And it's funny because like that's not explained at all. And I don't need it to be explained. <laughs> but yeah. it's really, it's really interesting. Um, yeah. Yeah. Um, how do you feel Malignant stacks up against James Wan's other work? Uh, full disclosure, I've only seen The Conjuring, Insidious, and Saw... So I haven't seen uh, the his earlier movies, and uh, yeah, well, I saw Aquaman, but um, that's not horror. And Furious Seven. Um, how do you feel it, it? Where do you feel like it is places in uh, James Wan's horror um, uh, oeuvre? Uh, you know, I I've seen 
people say they're disappointed with it, mm. uh, you know, in comparison to like The Conjuring and Insidious. And he's even said in interviews that with this, he wanted to kind of reinvent himself and mm-hmm. shake things up a bit. I was happy to see him um, kind of letting loose again and, mm-hmm. and doing something more in the vein of, of Saw or Dead Silence. Mm-hmm. I would kind of rank it among among his like early pulpy efforts i would say it's about as good as as you know dead silence Mm -hmm. um which is uh, an evil puppet movie right um uh you know uh, in terms of like ranking it I don't know. This is like a, a three, three and a half out of five star movie for me. Sure. Um, I, I think uh, the the Conjuring is actually great. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, um, I think that's, you know, uh, really breathed new life into the, the haunted house genre. Mm-hmm. Um, I would say that's a legitimately great horror movie. I would say that this is, you know, that's that's like a list. I would say this is, uh, you know, a B movie. Sure. I totally understand that. And I, I respect that. I think one of my hangups about um, The Conjuring in particular, and it's been a while since I've seen the first one, but it I, my memory of it is that it does the thing that I, I'm so tired of in horror is that it just becomes an exorcism movie. Um, does the first one become an exorcism movie? I think so. Yeah. Right. Well, this, the last one it is basically an exorcism movie. Okay. Um, the devil made me do it. Right. Um, um, yeah, I think the, the series has gotten tired, but mm-hmm. I, I think the, the first one is really great. Yeah. The way that it incorporates that kind of haunted house element, to it is is intriguing and interesting and everything but i also watched insidious um some time ago like back when i worked nights and i was like half asleep when i watched it so um but i will say that like coming at uh malignant through someone who isn't as fresh on james wan's horror uh portfolio um compared to like his more recent work with Aquaman and Furious 7 and what have you. Um, this, just seeing the style, the stylistic choices that he makes in this and the just kind of balls to the wall craziness that happens in the later parts of this movie, it really, really makes me want to go back and just kind of go through his catalog, finally catch Dead Silence and uh, his other movies, and just kind of really kind of live in his horror world because it's it it is it is a unique movie for me and with all of its faults and all of its silliness and everything i just i was so taken with it i I really had fun with this um yeah oh yeah so did i i mean i don't i don't mean to you know Mm -hmm. like be dismissive of it um yeah i mean i had a great time too Mm -hmm. um i just I, i wouldn't place it next to like the conjuring or anything sure sure and i kind of feel like saw is a little untouchable (laughs) um i (laughs) i hold saw to such a high esteem the first one um i and to be honest i have not watched past saw three actually um weirdly enough but that first one is just it's it's so good it's 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 really good so yeah oh yeah Yep. Um, okay. Do you want to go into spoilers for *Malignant*? 
Yes, please. All right. Well, we are going to play a clip from the trailer. Um, and then when we come back from the trailer, we're going to spoil Malignant. Um, if you want to skip the spoiler section to whatever we do afterwards, what I don't know what it'll be. We'll see. Um, go ahead and check the show notes for timestamps. But here is a clip from the trailer for Malignant. He says his name is Gabriel. I think he's someone from my past. Whatever happened to you before you joined our family hurt you in a way that I can't even imagine. Stop saying that. Maddie, who are you talking to? Gabriel. Is he your imaginary friend? Imaginary Imaginary He's the devil. Alright, so spoilers on for Malignant. Sam... This movie, um, holy shit, man, it's, it's, it's so crazy. Um, do you, do you want to have the honors of kind of running down what is revealed, uh, at the end of this movie, um, to bring us into it? Or would you rather, as, as the host, would you rather I bring us into it? I just realized I'm putting a lot on your plate. Yeah, ooh, that is a daunting task. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> I, you know what? I'll I'll give it a try. All right, great. <laughs> you can help me out if if I'm mm-hmm. not doing well. Okay, <clears throat> so, uh, wow, how to explain this? Okay, right. Madison, um, the main character, has these premonitions about murders that then actually happen. Mm-hmm. Uh, she seems to have some kind of like telekinetic connection to the murderer Gabriel. It turns out that Gabriel is actually her brother. And not only that, Gabriel is her parasitic twin brother growing out of the back of her fucking head. <laughs> yes. um, Just what the fuck <laughs> is this movie? I um oh my he god can control her body hmm. uh and she um I think it was Evan he made this hilarious comment that was so he controls her body and basically she like moves backwards mm-hmm. and Evan said something like uh malignant did backwards actions so much better than tenet and <laughs> I thought that was hilarious um oh that's good <laughs> That's great. <laughs> it's really great. Um, and oh, uh, I love it. So it turns out that, you know, he is controlling her. Oh, and he's unleashed because her husband slammed her head against the wall and opened up the wound that Gabriel was sort of like tucked inside of. Right. He was like tucked inside of her brain. And then the, the hit to the head uh, unleashed him. Kind of opened him up. Yeah. Yeah. Oh my God. <laughs> I mean, during that whole like reveal when they showed how like they, the kind of flashback or video or whatever of the, of the operation to close up the skull, to keep him inside and all that. I, like my mouth was just on the floor. I was, I was so like grossed out by it, but also like, I, I, I just kept thinking like, what am I watching? What, what is this? <laughs> like what? who thinks of this? It was just, it was just so, so unique and inventive for me. 
um, then I, I was willing to forgive the weirdness, the, the kind of weird, kind of comical, melodramatic kind of things. Like, um, to kind of backtrack a little bit, like, there was that scene where she says, like, oh, I'm adopted, and then it's just cut to something else, and it's like, you, you're not living in that moment. So like, like, this is, like, I... I still don't know if she's revealing to her sister, uh, who looks nothing like her, that, that they're adopted, that she's adopted, or, like, that's her first knowledge of that? I, I don't know, but it just felt so weird that it transitioned away from that, and then you have, um, y- yeah, you just have other other elements like that. Uh, that are just kind of like left there, like when uh, when her sister goes to the hospital and like breaks in easily and then goes to the records room and then like, finds it and everything. I'm like, okay, this is asking a lot of me to forgive and everything, and then it just hits you with this parasitic twin thing in her brain that is controlling her body backwards and killing people with her body, but backwards i'm just like okay i'm i'm good i'm i I can forgive all that other stuff it's not it's not a big deal this is crazy (laughs) so uh so yeah so how did you feel about all of that (laughs) um i mean once that was revealed i the parasitic twin uh, i was laughing my ass off (laughs) um and just laughing until Mm -hmm. the end of the movie um it's fucking hilarious it really Um, is i i saw i've heard some people making complaints that this movie like exploits medical issues or something and it's like give me a fucking break yeah um it's it's a monster growing out of the back of her head i'm right. pretty sure that's not a real medical issue and if yeah. it is holy fuck <laughs> right um but uh you know i <clears throat> i think it it fails a little bit when it tries to get serious um near the end she tries to kind of like reclaim her body Mm -hmm. and there's this sort of female empowerment message which is Mm -hmm. you know admirable but i'm not sure it really works against craziness Mm -hmm. um i just didn't quite land for me because it's just so laughably crazy (laughs) Yeah. But to try to have this earnest, like, empowerment, you know, my body, my mm-hmm. choice sort of message. I don't know. I, I think it was admirable for trying to go there, but I'm not sure it really stuck the landing. Man, I agree completely with that. That was something, like, when, like, I was so on board. I was so jazzed. I was so energi- energized with all of the just crazy, like, reverse John Wick shit that was going on and all of the other like just craziness that's going on in it. And then when we get to the ending in the hospital room, it's like, okay, this is, this is, you know, this is the big finish and everything, but we get this, like you said, this kind of um, female empowerment thing, which I agree is admirable. It's great, but I don't think it is set up properly. I don't think it is. I don't think that is, as strong a narrative through line as the movie presents it to be. And in addition to that, I also feel like the relationship between her and her sister leaves a little bit to be desired when in, when compared to like that, I think it may be like the final line of the movie where she's like, Oh, I I love you sister. And I love you too. And I'll always be with you and all that or whatever. And it's just like, did like it's established when when she first comes into the picture uh, her sister early in the movie that there's a 
a bit of a like a rift or they're not in close contact but we don't get any other like conflict or anything throughout the movie so i felt like that fell a little bit flat like uh for me and that that was that was kind of a downer because i think that had they done had they seeded that better both the female empowerment and the sister bond and everything if they'd seeded that better and made that more of a focal of gabriel's kind of whole thing I think that this could have like been just a, a an even stronger movie for me, <laughs> and I and I'm say that as someone who loves the movie. <laughs> yeah, I well, I think with the sister thing, um, uh, the movie is trying to set up this idea that Madison wants to have a blood connection, right? That's that's not you know her uh, monster head brother right um <laughs> and uh, you know she doesn't have much of a relationship with her mother because her mother was a teenager when she gave birth mm-hmm. and kind of disappeared yeah. um and uh, you know so she tries to have uh, a baby and because of the monster head brother mm-hmm. um, <laughs> <laughs> uh you know she's having these that was a horrible transition because I'm. Uh, <laughs> she's having these miscarriages. That's mm-hmm. not funny. Right, right. But the, the monster head brother is. Um, yeah. And uh, you know, so she's trying to form this blood connection, and in the end, uh, she says something to her sister like, "You know, you are family, blood mm-hmm. or not." And I, I think you're right that there's not enough build up to that for it to be an earned moment right um, there's not an it doesn't explore the sister relationship enough to for that moment to like really land yeah <clears throat> yeah it's something that it's it's all told it's kind of a minor blemish for me just because every like the majority of the rest of the movie is played so so much like a b movie and so much so much like consciously silly but not really caring how silly it is um that it's played that so when it's played straight at the end of the movie and in certain aspects of it it kind of comes across as a as as being kind of a uh not really a good tonal kind of connection with the rest of the movie and i mean like i said i think that that's just really a minor blemish for me because um I was still really, really engaged by it. And, uh, yeah. Uh, what'd you think of the gore and everything and the, and the actual, like the action scenes and everything? Um, uh, I will say that Gabriel is legitimately stomach churning. Um, <laughs> I mean, uh, they're really good creature effects. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I found him, you know, pretty revolting. Mm-hmm. Um, he basically looks like this sort of, like murky green octopus um, (laughs) growing out of the back of her body. Um, And I think it's hilarious when they show footage of him uh, doing these tests with doctors Mm -hmm. and he like uses his little tentacles to like point at things. (laughs) Yeah. Um, uh, The gore, uh, there's an amazing sequence where, Gabriel like mows down a shitload of police officers. Yes. <laughs> um and it just like blood spills everywhere. Mm-hmm. Um 
Madison's husband is killed in a really mm-hmm. graphic way. Like his yeah. neck is all fucked up. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> that that was genuinely upsetting. Uh, yeah, I mean it's pretty gross. Oh, absolutely. Um, it's it's really it's pretty it, it's pretty strong. And I, it's weird because like I usually get kind of a little bit touchy with that kind of stuff. like I, I i get okay so perfect example the reason why i've only seen up to saw three is because the brain surgery sequence in saw three i was like nope i'm out i'm gone i'm done i'm this this is this is my last saw movie um that and also the twisting limbs and the compound fractures are like a big thing for me that i can't i can't handle um but this I think because it's so stylized in this movie, um, those elements like the brain surgery element and and the compound fractures that he doles out uh, to all the police and the and the people in the jail cell and everything, uh, I think because it is it is against that kind of silly B movie backdrop kind of thing, and it's so stylized. I think that that was a lot more palatable to me. And uh, yeah, I just God, I just I. It was so, uh, just so out there and weird and fun. Um, yeah. What did you think of the reveal of the birth mother and that whole, her crashing down into the, uh, in the house and playing the cover of, um, of Where's My Mind? Uh, how'd you feel about that? Cause I, it was, I thought it was just beautiful. <laughs> Uh, well, to set it up, the, when yeah. she crashes through the house, you you discover that Gabriel um, slash Madison, mm-hmm. uh, you know, kidnaps her birth mother and then keeps her um, in the attic of her house right. and, you know, keeps her tied up and everything. And then uh, at one point, she hilariously falls through uh, the attic (laughs) and lands into the living room while Madison is talking with the police. Mm -hmm. And obviously, you know, she becomes the number one suspect after that. Um, uh, Fun fact about the birth mother, Mm -hmm. uh, that actress plays sort of the main wife in the show yes dear i don't know if you ever watched that i never did wow i i was i was oddly kind of obsessed with it in like fifth grade interesting Um, it's kind of a bad sitcom but uh, Hmm. i liked it when i was a kid because i liked everything um (laughs) but it was fun seeing her i was like oh yes dear lady wow Um, uh, sorry to that actress, whatever your name is. Right. Um, but uh, I thought that was fucking hilarious. Mm. Um, I uh, there isn't much closure with her mother either. Um, yeah, she is kind of. I mean, so basically, the mother, as a teenager, gives her daughter away to this uh, hospital. Um, mm-hmm to try to treat um, the fact that she has a monster growing out of her head. Right. Like Um, you do. (laughs) And everyone's like very matter of fact, like no one seems that shocked by this. Right. Um, Like I would be freaking the fuck out. Right. Like the doctors don't seem phased at all. Yeah. Um, Like there's that in, in again, that kind of, like low grade telepathy thing where like she, since they share a brain, she can see what he sees 
behind her and stuff and then also the radio frequencies and everything it's just so nonchalant (laughs) and uh that's why i think the prologue is so interesting as a gateway into the movie because it ends with that weird like that (laughs) that weird stylistic choice of the line where she's like it's time to cut out the cancer and then credits i'm just like what like what what is this like what have i gotten myself into (laughs) um and it's uh it's a very it's 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 very it's very unique i've i've got to say yeah but you're right i don't think the she has much closure at the end of the movie either and i mean you know i hate to like complain about these things because it's mm-hmm. not like i i cared whether the movie worked as a drama or anything right. um you know i i hate to try to judge it as like an earnest drama right um but uh yeah that her her mother relationship felt kind of tacked on. Mm-hmm. Um, but I mean, whatever. Right. <laughs> they, you know. it, the movie does at least attempt to have some closure with her, with her telling Gabriel that he's, he's her son and she should have loved him unconditionally or something, which I'm, I can appreciate that, but also dudes, a parasitic tumor growing out of his, his sister's brain. Like I, I, yeah. Um, Yeah. So, so I can, I can appreciate that. Um, even if it didn't really work for me all that much. Yeah. Oh, and I would say going back to, I said something about, you know, how it's kind of silly to complain about the movie exploiting medical issues. Um, Oh yeah. (laughs) But I would also say that, you know, uh, I think anything is really fair game and horror. I mean, Mm -hmm. you know, we do have fears of having medical issues and Mm -hmm. and i think you know obviously we don't worry about having monsters growing out of our heads but you know the the whole point of horror is to kind of hold a a funhouse mirror up to you know normal issues so Mm -hmm. you know gabriel this parasitic twin you know he's the funhouse mirror of you know a more normal medical condition so Mm -hmm. You know, I, I don't know. I, I don't really think the movie's like exploiting anything. And and like I said, yeah. I think anything is, I think anything is fair game to be explored through horror. You know, and and I agree with you. I I don't see it as being anything, uh, <laughs> no pun intended, anything malignant in the um, in in what they're going for. I don't see it as anything like negative about um, any kind of like actual real life illness. Cause like you said, I mean, it's, it's a pretty out there kind of thing and it's an, it's a heightened extreme thing. And given that old came out this summer <laughs> and old is a situation where M night Shyamalan has once again used a mental disorder or cognitive disability as a gateway for a villain character in a much more straightforward and just, just like a gross way. Um, I think that in, in light of that, comparatively, I don't think Malignant has any, any issues on that front because it is such a heightened thing and it's such an extreme version of, of uh, an extreme take on something. Um, yeah. Plus, it's just, it's so crazy. <laughs> that's that's interesting, and I think that's a good point about old. Mm-hmm. If I remember correctly, one of the characters, I think it's uh, the actor Rufus Sewell, mm-hmm. um, or Rufus, or whatever, um, he he has, like, dementia or something, or, like, some hint yeah. of 
dementia. And he developed he some kind of cognitive disorder. Yeah. Yeah. And he's basically portrayed as this like crazy killer. And yeah. I admit that like, yeah, that is offensive. Mm-hmm. Um, um, but I, I think, you know, the case with malignant, I think it's a completely different thing. I mean, yeah, you know, that's, that's not a real medical issue as far as I know. So, right. It's funny. Cause I did, as a slight tangent, like a week or two before I saw this movie, I just happened to see, like, there was a thread on Reddit that was like, what is, uh, on like ask Reddit, it said like, what's, what's a really disturbing fact that, you know, or what's a really disturbing thing that not a lot of people know about. And it's just, you know, standard kind of responses, but there was one where it was like there, um, (laughs) uh, and I, like when I, when I read this, I was like, oh, I wish I hadn't, I wish I didn't know this, but apparently i don't know the actual vernacular or anything but it's uh like tumors that can grow and can grow like the look of faces and teeth um on them and i like i read that and i was like that's that's pretty trippy that's pretty weird and then like someone linked to like an image of one and i'm like oh okay nightmare fuel that's horrifying <laughs> um and yeah. then a couple weeks later i see malignant and it's like oh oh okay so so yeah so there is precedent i guess for this type of thing but i don't think it's a thinking thing in in the real world of like like i think it's just a a a tumor that doesn't have like you know it it's not a it's not an entity or anything um yeah right i mean yeah like when i say it's not a real thing i Mm -hmm. i mean obviously that there's no such thing as like a, a talking tumor right um, or, you know, a tumor with a, a mind of its own that yeah. can control a body. Like, right. That um, can call cops and, and call a sister. Right. <laughs> um, but I don't know, maybe, mm-hmm. maybe the, you know, it's just hidden from us. Yeah. Uh, I don't, I don't want to think about that though. Right. Me neither. Um, <laughs> so something that we haven't really talked about is the detective angle. Um, the two detectives that that seems like kind of a um i mean a pretty standard archetype um for for like a serial killer um story and i i appreciated it i thought it was a good addition and everything the chase sequence that he has with gabriel was really interesting it it felt very evocative of like 7 um so I, I just found that interesting. I did find it kind of weird that like he has a flirtatious thing with the CSI tech. And then he's also like kind of hitting on the sister. And it's just like, I don't know where, like, where am I, where am I supposed to point him to? <laughs> like, where, what am, who am I rooting for? Why is there a love triangle here? But how did you feel about that whole subplot and, uh, and the detective angle of it? Oh, well, that's interesting. I actually, uh, about seven, I, mm. I hadn't actually considered that, but you're right. It there, he runs down a fire escape mm. and like falls off of a dumpster. And I think that's <laughs> exactly what happens to Brad Pitt. Yeah. Um, uh, so yeah, nice nod there. Um, in terms of the love triangle, <clears throat> I would say it's one of many things that this movie kind of randomly throws in. Yeah. Like, there's there's another scene where um, uh, Madison's sister is revealed to be a birthday party princess or something like that. Yeah, what was that? And and like that was just like some random like throwaway joke. Yeah. Uh, I didn't really I didn't really understand why that was in there. Um, yeah, it didn't really it didn't really fit the tone of the movie. Um, it really it was just like yeah, <laughs> like. 
it felt like just randomly tossed in comic relief mm-hmm. that none of us needed because yeah. the movie's already funny enough. Right. Um, but uh, uh, in terms of the love triangle thing, yeah, that just felt like kind of like throwaway humor to me. Yeah. Um, and, you know, this idea that the, the cop and his partner even calls him out on it. This idea that the cop is like easily swayed by women or something. Mm-hmm. I, I, I don't know. That was that was kind of goofy to me. I, I agree. And the birthday princess thing, like like it alone is serves as an in, mildly interesting like way to introduce the introduce the sister character to the detective and establish that awkward flirtation kind of thing. But I think when you consider that a big part of the backstory that the movie does with Gabriel and uh, and Madison uh, later in the movie deals with like a video of her birthday party and stuff, that creates this weird like subtle connection there that I don't think is there or should be there. And I think that that's kind of a mistake in terms of like having like this throwaway line about a birthday princess and then having birthday play into backstory and stuff it just that kind of makes it a little bit confusing because i was like thinking like is that like is that going to be a callback to is that going to be called back in some way but yeah i don't know that's that's interesting i hadn't even made that connection yeah. between the, the the birthday princess and the birthday <laughs> party footage so you 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 read into it more than i did I, and I, i'm fairly certain that i read into it a lot more than other people did too <laughs> like I think I might just be reading too much into it there, but um, no, it's interesting. I mean, yeah, yeah, yeah I hadn't considered that. <laughs> yeah. Um, another thing about that ab- about the sister angle and everything that I feel like is a little bit of a dropped thread. Ma- maybe I don't know, but when it's kind of, I think it may be when when she's doing the kind of hypnotherapy thing. But there's like, it's not really a throwaway line, but it's it's called to attention that her sister is like, was a threat to Gabriel. Like she, when, cause she was about to be born, she was going to replace Gabriel as, you know, the person, like the person that, uh, had a stronger connection, had the strongest connection with her than anyone. And like, I feel like that was meant to be like the most, more significant setup toward the, ending scene and everything with with her saying like oh you're 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 not blood but you're family and everything but i also kind of feel like that i was i was thinking that there was going to be like another twist where it's like oh gabriel's going to go after the sister and and she's going to be like in mortal danger and because he's jealous or something or wants to stay in power i i don't know i like my mind was going places that the movie wasn't but i don't know did you pick up on any of that or am i insane Uh, i mean i think that's you know sort of interesting that Mm -hmm. uh gabriel was like jealous of Mm -hmm. of her having a sister um and like maybe that's one of the reasons why he uh you know came out Mm -hmm. um uh but i i I don't think that was developed enough right um I don't know, like the whole movie, everything surrounding the twist is kind of, uh, kind of underdeveloped. Um, it's like, there's this insane twist in, in the, uh, in the middle of a movie that's like sort of flat. 
Mm-hmm. Um, uh, but then again, that kind of makes the twist even funnier. Um, <laughs> right. That you know, it like it comes it, it comes out of this sort of okay horror movie and, mm-hmm. and turns it into a, a much more enjoyable movie. Yeah. Um, um, but uh, yeah, I don't know. And the sister is portrayed as being like kind of ditzy. Yeah. Um, and uh, uh, I don't know. I would have liked to have maybe seen more footage from her childhood mm-hmm. that showed the relationship with her sister and maybe why Gabriel might have been jealous. Or, right. Um, <laughs> yeah, I don't know. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. But for all of its goofiness and uh, craziness, I I still it's 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 rare these days. And I think it's just because of residual pandemic stress and everything. Um, since it's still fucking ongoing, but, um, I think that this is the first movie I've seen in a while, like the first new release movie that I've seen in a while where I spent like the next day at work, just thinking about like, just the insanity of it all. Like it was in my brain. And I listened to like that, that, song over and over again at work and i'm just like this is uh as the kids say i was vibing pretty hard and um and i just i like it's just a kind of breath of fresh air for me um considering that like this year i've i've i'm so anal retentive about my movie watching and how many movies i see and putting together my top 10 list and everything but like last year it was just like a dumpster fire of everything. And then this year it's like an uphill climb to get back to like being anal retentive about my movie watching without worrying about the world ending and everything. And this is like the first movie where I'm like, Oh, I'm going to be excited to talk about that later in the year. Um, so yeah, so I, I'm, I'm, I'm very pleased with it. I'll say that. <laughs> yeah. I, I had the same experience. I was, mm-hmm. it was fun to talk about it with friends and, mm-hmm. and to, kind of exchange what the fucks right um and uh i actually this was uh part of a i saw this uh during a weekend that was pretty movie heavy for me oh yeah i I went to a screening uh, a press screening of the eyes of tammy faye Mm -hmm. and then pretty much immediately turned around at keystone and uh, watched the card counter Mm -hmm. and then malignant was the movie i saw the next day that's so um, awesome. So, and oddly enough, I would say out of those three, the card <laughs> counter and malignant were the ones that had the strongest impact on me. Nice. Despite, despite the eyes of Tammy Faye seeming like kind of, you know, Oscar bait. Right. Um, uh, yeah. Malignant was just so much more fun. <laughs> um, and, uh, uh, you know, maybe because I, I didn't know much about it going mm. in, but, uh, seeing it in the theater and just having that what the fuck <laughs> reaction um yeah. was really uh refreshing after mm-hmm. uh you know a, t- a time of not going to many movies and right sort of being bummed out amid covid mm-hmm. um it was refreshing to have that kind of uh uh theater experience where you're just laughing your ass off and just waiting to see <laughs> what crazy thing happens next nice yeah I, and i've been i've been going back to the movie theater you know pretty not not, a, not nearly as frequently as i was before but 
like anytime I go, I mean, it's just a like when it's not like a press screening or anything. When I go see like um like when I saw Malignant, just you know at the theater, it was just like this like that. And when I saw Candyman, also. It was just like I was excited because like these are horror movies and theatrical experiences are like part and parcel with extremely fun theater experiences with the right one. And I think that it's just a bummer that theaters are st- and granted I may I'm going to earlier screenings and stuff, but it's like there was like three people in the theater with me. Uh, for Malignant and like four people in the theater with me for Candyman. And I'm just like, this is. This isn't... I, I want it to be back to normal. <laughs> um, yeah. Did you have any interesting experiences with your theater experience with it? Well, um, I was a little self-conscious of our laughing because oh. there were only <laughs> a handful of people in the mm-hmm. theater. Um, but after a certain point, I was like, fuck it. This is hilarious. <laughs> sure. Like, if these other people aren't laughing, then, you know, nice. they, have st- they have sticks up their asses or something. Right. This is so fucking funny. Yeah. Um, so I just I just loudly cracked up. Um, and uh, yeah, I'm sorry if I bothered them, but uh, whatever, <laughs> you know, whatever. Nice. Uh, great. Well, I think that that will do it for our review of Malignant. Um, when, when the IFJA meets, are you going to be pushing this for a uh, movie of the year or any, any awards? <laughs> Uh, yeah, shoe in for best picture. Nice. Uh, I'm going to go, uh, shoe in for, uh, the original vision award. Mm-hmm. Um, no, I'm, I'm not going to nominate <laughs> this for anything. I mean, it is one of the most entertaining movies I've seen yeah. this year, but, um, yeah, it's not quite what I would put, uh, up for <laughs> IFJA award consideration. Right. Right. Uh, yeah, I'm, I'm. I'm excited to revisit it. I'll, I'll say that I'm very excited to, to revisit it and just kind of live in that world again. Um, so yeah. So, uh, yeah, like I said at the beginning, uh, malignant is in theaters and on HBO max until October 10th. And, uh, Sam, we, we usually do when we close out the episodes, we, we do a potpourri section. Do you have time to talk about like a movie or two that you've seen recently? Sure. Okay, great. So, uh, yeah, we're going to do a potpourri section. This is kind of rare these days. Um, <laughs> but we are, uh, so, okay. So, potpourri is a section of the podcast where we wind down and talk about what we've seen, what we're looking forward to, uh, anything that is on our minds. And Sam, since you are my guest here, uh, do you want to get us kicked off with anything that's on your movie mind? Um, <laughs> uh, the kind of tagline we have for it is whatever we, whatever you want, as long as it smells good. Uh, what do you have for potpourri? <laughs> um, well, I'll, uh, I'll do a little, uh, Midwest film journal plug. Yes. Um, I, I currently have a review of the eyes of Tammy Faye up mm-hmm. on the website. Um, <clears throat> I had mixed feelings on this one. Mm-hmm. I, you know, basically think it struggles to balance satire with empathy Mm-hmm. Um, for those who don't know, Tammy Faye Baker was um, a famous uh, televangelist, along with her husband Jim Baker. Um, uh, they, uh, you know, had very successful TV shows, and they basically, you know, bilked people out of money mm-hmm. um, and kind of confused Christianity with the capitalist American dream. Um, 
I would say the movie works best when it focuses on that. It kind of struggles when it tries to empathize with Tammy Faye. Um, it doesn't, it kind of glosses over the positive impact she had. Um, you know, there's just one scene where she interviews a, um, um, a gay HIV positive minister mm-hmm. and it, you know, kind of shows how she, uh, was accepting of all people, people from all walks of life. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it's just a brief scene though. Um, I would say in terms of a movie that's kind of balancing satire with some level of empathy for its subject, I would say a biopic like I, Tanya is a little more effective. Oh Yeah. Or like uh, Oliver Stone's W, mm-hmm. which was, uh, you know, about uh, George W. Bush. Um, uh, another um, of my latest reviews is of The Card Counter. Mm-hmm. Um, that's probably my favorite movie of the year so far. Oh, nice. Um, yeah, it's it's very simple, very low-key, but it's just really stayed with me. I, I just... I can't stop thinking about it. Um, nice. Oscar Isaac plays a uh, former um, soldier who was involved in uh, the Abu Ghraib, mm. um, the the torture of Iraqi inmates at Abu Ghraib prison, and um, he goes to to prison for that. Um, and then when he gets out, he uh travels across the country from casino to casino gambling card counting and uh during one of his casino trips he runs into someone else who was affected by abu Ghraib, and Hmm. they form this connection and i don't want to give away too much from there but it's uh it's written and directed by paul schrader Mm -hmm. it feels like sort of the conclusion of his anti-hero trilogy oh yeah with uh you know taxi driver Mm -hmm. first reformed and now this you know all three of those movies are about these uh you know, men driven to extreme acts and they all kind of deal with, um, uh, real world issues through Mm -hmm. this one loner character, you know, taxi driver explored urban decay, uh, through a New York city cabbie, um, first reformed, uh, explored climate change through this, uh, uh, minister fighting, Mm -hmm. uh, you know, a crisis of faith. And now, uh, the card counter um, explores, uh, uh, you know, America's post 9-11 crimes mm-hmm. um, through uh, uh, this uh, former soldier character. Um, uh, you know, it's just timely. It's uh, has a great moody atmosphere, um, kind of has this just intoxicating air of dread throughout, mm-hmm. um, uh, which is really my kind of movie um mm-hmm. so you know I, i'm a real fun guy <laughs> um a real fun light-hearted kind of guy sure I, <laughs> you know favorite movie of the year is the card counter um so uh yeah that's kind of what's on my mind lately nice very nice um i haven't really watched much of anything so i don't know why i uh why i uh talked myself into a corner here but i've been watching a lot of the simpsons um and uh yeah nice yeah it's it's always fun um 
I did watch Creep Show um again recently for uh Tower Junkies and that movie whew, that is that is that is uh it's super fun but like the bug aspect of it in the end is just too much like I can't I can't I don't do bugs um so that that's something <laughs> but yeah um all right well I think that should just about do it I think um Thank you so much, Sam, for joining me here on Obsessive Viewer to talk about Malignant and uh, put up with my with my shit. Um, <laughs> and uh, that was a pleasure. Yeah. Nice, awesome. And once again, why don't you tell people where where they can find you online um, and and all of your your work and everything? Cool. Yeah, um, you can find my reviews. Um at midwestfilmjournal.com. Uh, you can also uh, uh, catch me on Letterboxd at Sam Movie Man. Um, I'm, you know, trying to be con- pretty consistent with reviews on both. Um, uh, that's pretty much my online presence. Uh, you know, if you uh, um, uh, are intrigued by any of my thoughts on movies, feel free to, you know, friend me on Facebook. Uh, we can chat about movies. Um, but yeah, that's where I am. Awesome. Great. Well, thank you so much for joining me here and, uh, we'll definitely have to have you back at some point, uh, hopefully soon to talk about more movies and, uh, and everything. Um, <laughs> I would love it. Yeah. I don't want to put you on the spot, but I would love to have you and Evan on, uh, as maybe as a precursor to Heartland, that's kind of close, but talking about Heartland horror, that'd be kind of fun. Um, but yeah, but I don't know. We'll, we'll talk. <laughs> but, <laughs> Sounds good. Thanks for yeah, having me. Yeah, no problem. All right. So that'll do it for this episode of obsessive viewer. Thank you guys so much for listening. And, uh, once again, check out Patreon and, uh, all that other good stuff. <laughs> and, um, yeah, thanks again, Sam. And, uh, yeah. Uh, thank you for, listening and i forget how i end these uh thank you for listening and have a good one and now here's a short clip from our patreon exclusive rss feed to hear the full clip and more exclusive patreon content go to patreon.com obsessive viewer and become a patron at the minimum rate of one dollar per month thank you and enjoy Charles Boone is leaving the room, and then as he shuts the door, that's when we see the the ghost or the demon or whatever it is, um, and that's just super unsettling. That's re- very just. Ugh. It, it gave me vibes of what little I saw. Although I will be rectifying that hopefully soon, but what little I saw of the haunting of Hill House. So high marks for that scare in this episode, even if it is maybe a little bit derivative, but it was still pretty effective for me. And then, um, this show, <laughs> it, I feel like is, is maybe going to test, test my metal a little bit. Like, I think it is going to be a, a struggle for me personally, because I am not, I am not a fan or, or I'm very squeamish. I'll say that. I'll, I'm very squeamish when it comes to body horror. And that scene The Obsessive Viewer podcast is edited and produced by Matt Hurt and presented by ObsessiveViewer.com. For a full archive of our episodes, go to ObsessiveViewer.com slash OV archive. 
You can also like our Facebook page and join the OV Facebook group at facebook.com slash the obsessive viewer and follow us on Twitter at obsessive viewer and at obsessive tiny and follow our recurring co-hosts at I am Mike white. That's me at R a Fekis and at burger underscore lurker. If you enjoy the show, please take a couple minutes to leave us a rating and a quick review on Apple podcasts. This is the easiest way to support what we do. And all it costs is a little bit of your time. If you'd like to donate to the podcast, you can make a PayPal donation at obsessiveviewer.com slash donate, or support us on Patreon for recurring donations and access to commentary tracks and B-roll audio recorded exclusively for patrons at patreon.com slash obsessiveviewer. Every donation goes toward paying the fees to keep the podcast running and is greatly appreciated. For official Obsessive Viewer merch, including shirts, mugs, phone cases, and more, visit our Public store. You can find a link to the store in the show notes of this episode and at obsessiveviewer.com slash donate. Or you can simply search for Obsessive Viewer at tpublic.com, T-E-E, public.com. For information about our annual live event showcasing short horror films from local filmmakers, check out shocktoberinirvington.com. And for an archive of all our events, as well as news about potential future events, head over to obsessiveviewer.com slash live. For more podcast content, you can find Anthology, Matt's solo podcast covering The Twilight Zone, and other classic and contemporary science fiction anthology TV shows at anthologypod.com and on Twitter at OVAnthologyPod. You can also find Tower Junkies, a podcast where Matt and Tiny share their love of all things Stephen King and his magnum opus, The Dark Tower series, at TowerJunkiesPod.com and at TowerJunkiesPod on Twitter. And finally, check out The Secular Perspective, Tiny's side project podcast, which tackles current events and life's big questions from the perspective of secular hosts Chad and Amanda at TheSecularPerspective.com. The theme music for The Obsessive Viewer comes courtesy of the band Loudlike from their EP, Mistakes We Must Make. Additional bumper music is provided courtesy of As Good As It Gets, which can be found at facebook.com slash asgoodasitgetsband. Thank you so much for listening, and we'll see you next time. Kitty! Kitty!